Welcome back, everyone. This is Sam. And this is Kareen, and we are two Onk Docs. This week's episode, we're going to be focusing on inheritable platelet disorders. We're going to go over the important details on the roles of platelets first off, platelet parts, and then dive into the diagnosis of inherited platelet disorders through aggregation studies, as well as the treatment of these disorders. I think this is a topic that most hemonc fellows struggle with because clinically we really don't see a lot of these kinds of cases, but they are very heavily tested on the hematology board, surprisingly. So definitely super high yield episode. And thank you, Sam, for tackling this difficult topic. So to start us off, what is the basic role of platelets? So it's the three A's. So adhesion is the first role of platelets, and this is the adhesion of platelets to the damaged endothelium. What they adhere to is collagen, which initiates platelet adhesion through the alpha-2, beta-1, or the GP1A2A receptor, GP4, and GP6, as well as binding to GP1B59 complex to von Willebrand factor. The second step in the role of platelets is activation. And so once the platelet bounds, it is bound, it releases its contents of its granules, both the alpha granules and the dense granules, which we'll go over in a little bit. The third step is aggregation of platelets to each other. And this is through the GP2B3A receptor, as well as the use of fibrinogen. So adhesion, activation, and aggregation. Absolutely. And platelets have various granules. Can you tell us what these are and what they contain? So there's two that we'll be talking about. The first is the alpha granules, and they contain beta thromboglobulin, platelet factor 4, just rolls off the tongue, von Willebrand factor, which we know about, fibrinogen factor 5, factor 8, and high molecular weight kininogen, as well as albumin, platelet-derived growth factor, and others. The second type of granules that we'll be focusing on are the dense granules, and these contain ATP, ADP, calcium, serotonin, and magnesium. In addition to the two types of granules inside of a platelet, there's also lysozymes and acid hydrolases in the platelets. And then what symptoms can one see with platelet function disorders? It's truly variable. There may be no symptoms with these disorders, um, but you can also see mucocutaneous bleeding, such as epistaxis, as well as other bleeding manifestations, such as petechiae or easy bruising. Most of the time, there is a normal platelet count on the CBC, so we need to have a good differential diagnosis for someone who has easy bruising or one of these mucocutaneous bleeds and think it might not be the quantity of platelets, but rather the quality of the platelets. And other than a CBC, what diagnostic tests will we be sending to look for platelet function disorders? So we are hematologists and we love our blood smears. So definitely take a look at the blood smear to look at the size, the color, and the quantity of platelets. We'll also be talking about platelet aggregation studies. This is a test that uses Ristocetin-induced platelet aggregation, or RIPA. 
You also think about platelet secretion studies. And so these disorders have the inability to release some of their intracellular granule contents upon the activation of platelet in platelet-rich plasma with agonists such as ADP, epinephrine, or collagen. And so you can see blunting of the second wave. This is what they'll give you um, a diagram or a picture of on your ITE or your boards. And then lastly, we'll be thinking about platelet function analyzer. So this is called the PFA100. This test is ran by aspirating citrated whole blood and running it through a high shear rate in cartridges that contain membrane coated with either collagen or epinephrine or collagen and ADP. And this should be inducing platelet adhesion activation and aggregation leading to rapid occlusion or clotting off within that container. The PFA100 has a very high negative predictive value. So if the PFA100 is normal with a few exceptions, that really means that we've ruled out platelet function defects. If the PFA100 is abnormal, then we probably need to move on to some of more platelet aggregation testing to look at the more details of what the problem could be. And let's break down the platelet function disorders into categories of adhesion, activation and secretion, as well as aggregation, so our three A's. So to start us off, what disorders are issues of platelet vessel wall adhesion? So issues with adhesion to the vessel wall, von Willebrand's disease. It's not what we're going to cover today. We've already covered this on a prior episode, but it would fall into this category of issues with adhesion. The one we will talk about in the platelet disorders is Bernard Soulier. This is an autosomal recessive condition, and it's due to the lack of G1B59 complex. And so you'll see mild thrombocytopenia, but not less than 30,000. On the smear, you'll see large platelets. I remember this by St. Bernard's, our large dog and Bernard Soulier has large platelets. There will be auto abnormal aggregation to ristocetin, but normal aggregation to collagen and ADP. If you were to run a flow cytometry, you would see a decrease in the GP1B receptor. The treatment for this is factor seven, recombinant factor seven, if the patient is bleeding. And that's the general treatment for all of these disorders if you have a bleeding patient. And we need to be cautious of platelet transfusions as patients can develop anti-GP1B antibodies. And again, we need to be aware of this in all of these conditions of the alimmunization with platelet transfusions. Absolutely. And this was definitely tested on our hematology boards. I love that mnemonic of the St. Bernard dogs with the large platelets in Bernard Soulier and absolutely commit to memory that you have abnormal aggregation to ristocetin um, because they can give you that in the vignette. And so what platelet disorders are issues of activation or secretion from platelet granules? So we'll have four that we'll go over. The first is gray platelet syndrome. This is due to a lack of alpha granules and a mutation in the NBEAL2 gene. On the smear, there will be large platelets as well, and they will lack the alpha granules, and so it'll make them appear gray on the blood smear, hence the name gray platelet syndrome. When you run the aggregation test, you will see a lack of the second wave to ADP and epinephrine you'll have a predisposition to myelofibrosis with gray platelet syndrome. The second one we'll talk about is Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome. This also is autosomal recessive, and there's a pocket of these cases in Puerto Rico. So they may give you a Puerto Rican descent in your vignette, and this is what they're prompting you to think of. This is due to a lack of dense granules and a defect in the HPS, or the Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome 1 gene. 
This syndrome, you'll see a lack of second wave with ADP and epinephrine. Dense granules are decreased on the immunofluorescence. The syndrome can include oculocutaneous albinism, pulmonary fibrosis, colitis, neurologic changes such as nystagmus. The next we'll talk about is Quebec platelet disorder. This is autosomal dominant. So most of these are autosomal recessive. Quebec platelet disorder is autosomal dominant. So if they give you a vignette with multiple patients' family members affected, think Quebec platelet disorder. This is due to a decrease in the alpha granule proteins. You'll see an abnormal aggregation of platelets with epinephrine, delayed bleeding and abnormal proteinolysis of the alpha granule proteins, and increased urokinase plasminogen activator in platelets. The last one we'll talk about is Chedek-Higashi syndrome, and this is a mutation in the LYST gene, and this is a platelet storage defect. In addition to thrombocytopenia, so as opposed to most of these where you don't see thrombocytopenia, in Chedek-Higashi's you will, you'll also see anemia and neutropenia. A bone marrow biopsy will show myeloperoxidase positive inclusion in the neutrophils. You can also see albinism or most commonly immune deficiencies in this condition. And there is unfortunately a high mortality rate due to infections. The treatment for Chedek-Higashi syndrome is steroid, splenectomy, and prophylactic antibiotics, as well as consideration for stem cell transplant. We really do need to memorize these syndromes and their differences for the board. So remember that a lack of alpha granules is seen in Quebec platelet disorder, as well as gray platelet syndrome, and lack of dense granules in Hermansky-Pudlak. Um, and one of the high testable things with gray platelet syndrome is that predisposition to myelofibrosis. And so lastly, what are the disorders of platelet aggregation? So issues with platelet aggregation is Glanzman's thrombocythemia. This is autosomal recessive, and this is due to a lack of the GP2B3A receptor. There's abnormal aggregation to collagen and ADP. There's no primary wave seen, but there is normal aggregation to ristocetin. This is the opposite of Bernard Soulier. There will also be impaired clot retraction. Flow cytometry will show a decrease in G2B3A receptor. The treatment, again, is if someone is bleeding, the activated factor 7 recombinant. And again, be cautious of the platelet transfusions because of the high risk of alimmunization. Lastly, there's also congenital afibrogenemia, which also will fall into this category and have this and will have same platelet aggregation patterns, but also a prolonged prothrombin time, activated partial thromboplastin time, and thrombin time. So if you have congenital afibrogenemia, you're not only going to have issues with platelet aggregation, but also prolonged of our coagulation studies that we look at. Definitely remember the difference between Glanzmann's and Bernard Soulier in terms of Glanzmann's having abnormal aggregation to collagen and ADP with no primary wave, but normal to ristocetin, which is the opposite of Bernard Soulier, because they can give you that. And that can help you differentiate what the right answer is in the vignette. And so what are the other platelet disorders that we should be aware of prior to test day? There are two more that we'll briefly touch on. And so the first one is Wiscott-Aldrich syndrome. This is a mutation in the WASP gene, which regulates signaling and cytoskeletal structures. What you'll see is small platelets, increased risk of infections, as well as eczema. And this is X-linked recessive. So you'll see this more in males and the pedigree that they give you on the vignette. 
Lastly, there is a group of conditions called the MYH9RD, and this is autosomal dominant. You'll see large platelets. You'll see dull bodies in the neutrophils. They could also have sensory neurohearing loss, renal disease, as well as cataracts. And so that was a really great overview. Thank you, Sam, for covering this highly testable topic. And so what are key takeaways for inherited platelet disorders? Our key takeaways, think about the three roles of platelets. And so adhesion is the first. This is regulated by GP1A, 2A, GP4, GP6, and the combination of GP1B, 5, 9 complex, as well as von Willebrand factor. The second role of platelets is activation. So this is the release of the contents of the alpha and dense granules. And lastly, aggregation between each other. And so this is regulated by the GP2B, 3A receptor as well as fibrinogen. Know these and then you can identify where the mutations are along the pathway. And so first thing we think of is Bernard Soulier, and this is the lack of the G1B59 complex. You'll see mild thrombocytopenia, large platelets like those large St. Bernards, abnormal aggregation to ristocetin as opposed to Glanzmann's thrombocythemia, which is the lack of GP2B3A, which is abnormal aggregation to collagen and ADP, but normal to ristocetin. So those are exactly the opposite of each other. We'll also need to know about Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome, which is the lack of the dense granules, a defect in the HPS1 gene. You'll lack the second wave with ADP and epinephrine. Gray platelet syndrome, which is the lack of the alpha granules, giving them the gray color. And this is a mutation in the NBEAL2 gene and a lack of the second wave to the ADP and epinephrine. Predisposition to myelofibrosis, you guys should also be aware of. And the last two are Quebec platelet disorder, which is a decrease in the alpha granule proteins, abnormal aggregation of platelets with epinephrine. And the last one is the Chetak-Higashi syndrome, which is a mutation in the LYST gene. This is a platelet storage defect. You'll see bone marrow um, having myeloperoxidase positive inclusion in the neutrophils, and there's a big risk of infections. Absolutely. And so, you know, you can come out with your own mnemonics to remember the differences between these because some of these are just kind of memorization that you need to look at the day before the exam. Um, but hopefully this episode is helpful. And as always, thank you for listening. Good luck with studying. Please feel free to reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram or Twitter to OnkDocs. And if you're enjoying these episodes, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, guys.